broadcasting from an undisclosed location. From a secret hunting spot known only to him and the guy who told him about it and possibly the guy who told the guy who told him. It's a show all about hunting in New Zealand and around the globe. This is The Hunting Show. Find The Hunting Show on Facebook and Twitter for up-to-date information on upcoming shows and topics. Welcome to a special episode of The Hunting Show. I'm here with Dave Shaw, actually standing in the middle of town. And Dave, it's been a little while since we've catched up, or caught up. Gosh, that was bad English, wasn't it? Um, how's it been going? It's been going great. It's, yeah, uh, yeah it's well overdue. Um, but yeah, swinging back through Taupo, always love to see the boys that hunt fish, and uh, Steve in particular. Catch <laughs> yeah. up, shoot the, shoot the uh, Shit. proverbial. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dave... You've just come back from a great hunt, and it's going to be on the hunting show or the hunters' club, sorry, very soon. Can you tell what happened? Uh, we went over to Victoria uh, to hunt samba deer. Now we'd, we'd done some samba stuff in New Zealand before, but we, you know, we were reluctant to kind of shine a light on the samba herd and where we were filming within New Zealand because of you know guys have spent a lot of time and energy and effort into protecting the or cutting trails and. You know, keeping it um, not secret, but just making sure that the, the herd stayed uh, uh, well managed in a way. Um, so the last thing we want to do is to shine a light on these areas and then encourage a whole heap of hunters to go in there and just blast away. So went over to Victoria with a couple of keen keen fellas who have hunted together for for years and years and years. One of them is this guy Jamie Carl, who used to have a reputation. He had a page called the Mountain Man uh, back in the day. Uh, in the early days of social media and had quite a following and, and he and this, one of our regular hunters Andre they used to do some marathon missions like east coast west coast uh, you know missions all on a weekend and they're well I mean Jamie's a professional well not professional but he, he's an arm wrestling champ Australian <laughs> arm wrestling champ Andre runs a crossfit gym in Hamilton so they they mean business they're, they're, they're big units and they're strong and tough and grunty so I was prepared for the worst but it was a full-on, full-on bloody trip. I mean, for Aussie, when I thought Aussie hunting, I thought it can't be too, you know, these Alps, the Victorian Alps, sure, you know, they can't be a patch on the Southern Alps, but mate, the, the amount of windfalls, there's snow gums everywhere, so it was like an obstacle course, and the walk out was something bloody to write home about, eh? Like we, um, yeah, I've never thrown my toys like that, and it was just, you know, 40 kilos for seven hours, and lucky Trey kept us going with his motivational talk. Both Jamie and I hit the wall, but you know, apart from all that side of things, the, the, the hunting was fantastic. We had the whole valley to ourselves. It was almost as though no humans had ever gone into this kind of block because it was just so ridiculously hard to get down into it. But the result was that yeah, there were some good animals and we captured a lot of, of great, uh, great scenery and great banter between two fellas that know each other well and, and hunt, hunt together well. You've seen a lot of the New Zealand countryside and you've been fortunate enough to see a lot of the New Zealand countryside. Was there anything really contrasty between what you saw over there versus what you, you see here on a regular basis? It's more that notion in the back of your head that there could be a bloody snake under every rock <laughs> yeah. and the guys had bloody stitched me up somewhat by talking about, oh yeah, hot day today. Uh, just keep your hands off any rocks as you're climbing up things because you know, they like to sun themselves. And then you're going through these swamps and stuff and they're talking about snakes love to hang under, under the, the rotten logs and then you look down at your bloody gator and you've got leeches on them and you, all these little <laughs> things like that that just, you know, I, I, I actually I slept, fly, uh, slept just under a fly for a couple of nights and then I was laying on the ground looking at all these bloody spiders running around the place thinking, shit, I wonder how many of those went into my mouth last night. But, um, you know, it's just that Australian notion that everything wants to kill you. But um, 
apart from that, like the, the guys had said, the reason they liked to hunt Victoria was that it's the closest you can get to New Zealand hunting within Australia. So that was um, one of the appeals. But um, and also, you know, Samba deer are an amazing deer. They're, they're quite a unique quarry for the size that they are, mm. how stealthy they move, and and it's tinder dry over there. Like I'm walking around, sounding like I'm bloody letting off fireworks just with the amount of you know crackle and pop that it's coming from from all the, all the tinder dry sticks. But these things can just slink through. You know, 300 kilo beasts that are just slinking through without making a sound, and yeah, you know, it's a, quite a hard, uh, a hard animal to, to put on the deck. Now, I understand you're over there. You are both using rifles and, uh, and bow hunting yeah. as well. Um, bow hunting is not something I've ever had a lot to do with, and I've seen on the show yet. There's more and more of that going on. It's becoming something that people want to know more about. What's your experience been like with bow hunting? Well, unfortunately, the, the problem with bow hunting and TV is it doesn't go hand in hand. It, it's far easier for someone. Well, getting something on bow to start with is tough, but getting something on bow and camera at the same time is, is exponentially harder because, especially when you, you're a fellow like myself, I'm walking around behind this someone like Andre who's, who's bow hunted a lot. He, he He's like a stealthy cat. You watch him move, and every every move, every footstep is thought out, and I'm like stumbling around behind, thinking, "Well, oh, this is nice. That light's piercing through those ferns. I'll get a shot of that." And next thing you know, crack, and you know you've wasted ten minutes of stalk because everything's pushed uh, pushed down after hearing the noise. So, but I mean, in terms of when it does work out and you get a bit of luck on your side, because that's what it is when you're, I'm trying to capture on camera. We need a bit of luck. Uh, it's it's quite intimate versus you know the distance and the long range stuff with a rifle sure it's great when you see the animal it's unaware of your presence but that you know getting within 30 40 meters it's um you got to keep that heart under under control i, I remember I told the story to a few people but sitting in the trees in stewart island we're bow hunting on the last day we you know, got everything we needed and um i for the first time in my life saw the animal before uh tim so i'm sitting in the tree and i'd seen this this whitetail come up behind us and I looked down at it and, and I just I was freezing cold at the time but I remember just having this hot flush come over me like a menopausal bloody midwife and um, yeah. I immediately heart rate started going at a million miles an hour and got this bit of a sweat on and I tried to turn the camera in my shaking hands to, to, to down towards the animal to get a, some footage and it just looked up at me really ca- like casually and it's just it must have detected like you know, an increased something heart rate or just you know a little bit of stress and just bolted off and I thought how can you have the the composure to keep yourself calm enough to be able to turn get to full string line the animal up you know, for a full draw and put an arrow through it without you know your head popping off because I was it was almost and I've said to people the, the, the most the best analogy is it's like seeing your first pair of boobs as a, as a 12 year old boy or something I was just like oh my god there's, a, there's an animal there so yeah it's, it's, a, it's bloody exciting but um, yeah the guys that can do it I think it's, it's, a, it's about keeping a lid on your, your emotions and, mm. and um, staying calm it's definitely next level stuff. I think mm. that's that's it's, it's it's in my future. Put it that way, Dave. You've got you've had some great episodes coming in this, this latest season, or you've had some great episodes for you. What was your favourite uh, for this season? The second tar trip because we we had a heartbreaker in 2015. Went out for a, for a tar and during the ballot and um, saw plenty of good animals, but we had a hot sight set on a, a, a big a big tar. And when the big guy arrived. And uh, you got in a position, did everything textbook, but were let down a wee bit by Andre's shooting. <laughs> Sorry to drop him in it, but uh, he's first to admit it. He says he's had sleepless nights thinking about that tar that got away because it, it just 
we couldn't recover it. It wasn't a clean uh, heart shot, and it managed to, to boost down the wrong side of the hill. So that was a real heartbreak. So we went back in hoping to get another tar to round out the episode because we didn't want to end the season on a low note and worked really hard and came out on top with a, with a good 12 and a half inch ball but it was that that second trip it was just so satisfying that we'd hadn't rested on our laurels and thought oh well we can just you know we'll live with that episode we wanted to end on, on, a, on a high note and i think we did and um yeah that particular trip was quite satisfying very cool and you've got the dvd out as well yep dvd's going well it's selling real well actually so if um yeah we, we, we're not it's about just trying to get uh get the, the show out there so we've got it on a good price and um just want people to to, to be able to experience it and um you know series two will be coming in the next six months and we're halfway through series three now so we've just had sky commit to uh, another two more years so the show's going real well so we're really happy I want to ask you this because we've seen hunting ha- get both positive and negative coverage in the media, particularly the last few weeks. And I've even held back from having a rant about the yeah. the. I've, I've even written a, a complete rant and, and kind of stored it away in my Dropbox somewhere and decided better of it. Uh, but how do you go about making sure? And I do this. I try my best to do this as well. That hunting has a positive image, rather than giving fuel to the anti-hunting lobby. Because if that gets stronger in this country, we're going to stop. I think we're going to stop enjoying the uh, the ease of access that we have now, and the and the the positivity. I mean, we've, we're seen as providers to our community rather than destroyers of nature. But I think we're on a knife edge with regards to the image that we put out there. And how do you make sure that the hunters club do that well? Well, I let the fellas make those decisions about our stance that we take on certain topics because I don't, you know, I don't have the pedigree as a, you know, decade of hunting experience under my belt like the, our five guys do. They've all got, you know, vested interest in, the, in the, the health of hunting in New Zealand. So when they come to me and say, "Hey, look, there's a situation," for instance, Mount Pisa at the moment, um, we we need to do something about this, or you know, at least put a line in the sand about where we stand so we've been talking in the last couple of days with a couple of fellas down there about uh, how do we tell the hunter side of the story and I'm lucky in a way because I, I do filming for, for News Hub and so I've got a few contacts with um, the news agencies and and uh, if it's coming from someone, I mean, I'm not saying that I hold more sway than the average Joe but I, I can kind of explain to them, hey there's a news story in this because you're not seeing the other side of the story. You're hearing it from one fella, but um, the other side is this. And in fact, actually this weekend, I, I hate to say, but I got asked to film a, a news story in Taupo uh, about hunting, uh, but I can't do it because I've, so I've just been on the road for the last week and a half and I need to see the family. But um, the TV3 or News Hub is sending a family from Auckland down to Taupo to go hunting with the Taupo family in lieu of, or no, in response to the whole heart, the, the young girl eating the heart thing, because they, they wanted to show a balanced report about, hey, hunting for the family is a good thing. So I was rapt to hear that from them. I really wanted to be part of it, but just couldn't do it. So I'm, I understand they're still filming the story, so that'll be on the news at some point. So yeah, it's about it's about giving them balanced, uh, or explaining to the news agencies that, hey, sure, your main uh, market are urban, um, but you're going to alienate people big time if you're just showing these negative Nancy stories and focusing on, you know, poor firearms practice and, you know, when accidents happen. But, you know, it's, yeah, really at the end of the day, we, as long as hunters aren't, we, we're our biggest enemy. Like, yeah. There's always going to be bad eggs 
and there's nothing you can do to, to get around that but um, so long as the, the, the vast majority of, of hunters are responsible and responsible in their social media stuff as well yeah. and um, that's, that's an important uh, facet that people need to be aware of. I want to ask you about your drone footage again because yep. you use that extensively. And last time we talked, you'd recently crashed a, a drone. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> How's that go? Have you crashed another one since? I've, I know it's. I just have to know. I've. Um, <laughs> it looks like I've bought the, the world's most unsinkable drone. It's like the Titanic, <laughs> or it's, it's not like the Titanic. It's, it's another one. It's um, the bloody thing. I said to the boys in the last couple of shoots, especially with Dutchman, said, "Look, if if the drone's in the way, just knock it out of the sky." So long as the footage we get off it justifies it because I think you know for a couple of grand if you get a shot of a duck dropping and the drone dropping at the same time and it could be something quite special but this bloody thing just doesn't want to go down and I've crashed it a few more times since because I've just started thinking I want to upgrade you know I want to get a new one but it's um I've hit it hit a couple of trees and did a bit of pruning uh, of some native forest uh, but it's it's robust and it's a little tank. So I had it over in Samba country, flying it around, and almost flew into a waterfall. But you know, it's when you get close to the edge that you get the best stuff. So yeah, it's uh, it's certainly a, a fun. It's a fun part of the job flying the drone around because it's a lot easier than you lugging the, the you know the big cameras and stuff. One thing I found interesting is we're starting to see, particularly in the central North Island, and that's only because it's in my spe- my sphere of, of people I talk to. But drone people are hunting with drones, oh, and yeah. it's a, become a really interesting thing. They they're actually using them to um, to push animals out or just to spot them. Um, but to see guys walking into the hills that aren't using them to get footage necessarily, or I'm sure they're gathering that at the same time, but they're actually using them as part of their hunting practice. Yeah. That's that's kind of a new thing. What do you yeah, where are you at with that? I think that's a slippery slope, and, and I've always said from the day. I said, look, if if you're hunting the area that we're filming in, and you see a drone in the air and it's pissing you off, put a bullet through. I mean, like, be responsible. <laughs> but I would not shed a tear, and I'd be completely understandable if someone knocked it out of the sky. And say, hey, look, you're, you're pissing me off, and I'm, I'm trying to hunt. So I'd be. It would be a short time before the first story of, of drones being shot out of the air would come to light. If if there are guys using them in the backcountry mm. to to harass animals, like that, that's that's something we've said. Look, we, we use the drone as a tool to um, capture footage um, we'll never use it to well we did once with the Canada goose uh, cull down in uh, Molesworth but that was you know in the scope of things we'd already shot 300 odd geese and they were culling at the time so we thought we'd have a bit of a laugh and push a couple towards us and bang bang down they went but that in itself caused a big ruckus as well because people saw that as harassing the animal or you know um, what's the word uh, hazing so yeah but but there are times where you're on the hill and the tar's just, you know, 200 metres too far away and you're kind of in the back of your mind thinking, oh, I could just put this thing up and push him towards <laughs> us. But no, it's, I think once you start, yeah. if you ever did that, you know, it's about that self-satisfaction as well. You, you earn a prize by outwitting the animal and, and using, you know, your, your own nous and physicality rather than a, a piece of technology to to push it towards you or you know it's a, a hollow feeling if, if, if you knocked an animal out of the sky doing that I'm not criticising anyone who, who decides to do it because I mean I don't know how a red would uh, would behave but I suppose a roaring rushing red might might not give a rat about uh, a little swarm of bees buzzing over his head but yeah we, we shall see give me some ideas for the roar next year <laughs> yeah that's right and uh, next season so we're, we're in the middle of this one what, what's, what's coming up can you give us some just yep. some uh, insight to the episodes we're going to see yeah, we've just well uh, about four weeks ago I got back from a week on the Chathams, which was pretty epic. And so we, we got we were lucky because Tim, one of our regular hunters, 
used to live there for you know uh, like four seasons diving so we were able to scratch the surface a bit more than than normal and 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 really ingratiate ourselves with the locals and and go out and do you know go to some pretty special spots so there's a cracking episode there with some really big pigs and um We've got some amazing dog camera footage. Like we built a harness to protect the camera, so that the dog. We're having problems with the, the camera switching off the Garmin verbs when the dogs are going through the little dense bush. So uh, we built a little harness around it, so it protected the camera. And the end result is this phenomenal stuff with this a big, big boar dog. Yeah. You know, bailing beautifully. So that's really exciting. I uh, got the Samba trip. Got some duck shooting. Uh, what else have we got in the can? Oh, a bit of upland game. Yeah, quail and pheasants. Cool. Uh, trying to do a few new things um, next year, and then a lot of raw stuff. We didn't do any raw. <laughs> we had a shocking raw this year. Uh, five trips, five different places, zero stags down. So oh, no. we've got all these uh, great starts to episodes, but uh, that we decided instead of trying to just you know lower our standards, um, we'd hold on to it and we'll go back this raw and hopefully round out some of these trips with the same guys in the same spots and um, have a bit more luck because it was just one of those should have been here yesterday type roars for us. You know, we'd leave and the weather would come right and we'd say, oh, Adam's going off their tits. So we'd race back down and then we'd close in and they'd say, oh, no, you should have been here last week. So it's just, you know, uh, luck of the draw sometimes. Never work with animals and children, right? Oh, mate, exactly, exactly. <laughs> oh, Dave, look, it's been a pleasure to talk to you again. Um, we, we need to do this more often. Yeah. And I look forward to catching up with you maybe before the beginning of next season. Yep. And we'll, we'll catch up and do that. And maybe we'll catch up for the release of your second season on DVD, eh? That sounds yeah, like a good idea. Idea. Solid plan. Yeah. Worker Dave. Now, if people want to follow you, they can find you on Facebook. Where, where do they go for that? Um, I think it's just Hunters Club NZ or, yeah, yeah the Hunters Club on Facebook. It should, should track us down. And uh, we're trying to do a bit more with the old Instagram and all that, but it's it's a matter of trying to, you know, juggling many balls at one time. So um, apologies if we're not keeping up with uh, all the, the material. And want. and do follow the fa- uh, their Facebook page. You, you, you've got pre-releases on there, exclusive footage and all sorts of stuff comes up on your Facebook page. Well worth giving a go of. So search that, The Hunters Club, on Facebook. And uh, one of the first searches to come up, you'll recognise the stag as their logo. Cheers, David. I'll tell you what, and I'll give you uh, the first person who goes on our Facebook page and and sends me a message saying Steve Spargo is a legend. I'll, se- I'll send you a DVD. <laughs> oh, fantastic. So actually, how about that? That's how you could win. Actually, why don't we make it the first? Why don't we just see how many do it and then you can give it away to one of them? Okay, it sounds solid. Yeah. yeah. So you could win a DVD to the Hunters Club first season. All you've got to do is say Steve Spargo is a legend on the Hunters Club page. And we'll see how we go. Thanks very much. And we'll catch up soon. Cheers, mate. Thanks. We actually recorded that interview on the side of the road, and I love Dave. He's always prepared to do an interview with me at the drop of a hat, and uh, he did that very well and managed to squeeze a great prize out of him of that DVD. If you're listening to this too far in the archive, unfortunately, it's probably been won. just do that. I know he's a man of his word and someone out there could be winning that great Hunters Club Season 1 DVD if you haven't uh, won it or you haven't seen it. Even if you just want to buy it for a present, it's available at all hunting and fishing stores. Great buy, great series. And with us, uh, just be active. Go on our Facebook page, send us emails, give us feedback, and a lot of you do. And despite me sometimes feeling like you're all keyboard warriors, you're not. And 99.9% of your feedback is valued and taken on. Be careful out there, guys. Some great hunting. Um, I don't want to hear about any accidents. Good hunting. Broadcasting from an undisclosed location. 
from a secret hunting spot known only to him and the guy who told him about it and possibly the guy who told the guy who told him. It's a show all about hunting in New Zealand and around the globe. This is The Hunting Show. Find The Hunting Show on Facebook and Twitter for up-to-date information on upcoming shows and topics.